shows are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Welcome to the Adventures in Tech Podcast. Talking the latest tips and trends in educational technology to innovate and engage your students. Here are your hosts, Andrew and Dan. Thank you very much, Mr. Voice. My name is Andrew. And I'm Dan. Welcome back, and I should say welcome to episode number two of the Adventures in Tech podcast. We are extremely excited that you are joining us for episode two, along with this uh, adventure, so to speak. Um, And obviously, we just want to mention, if you like the content, please help us out, provide feedback and a rating on the platform you're using to listen, whether it be on Anchor, uh, Apple, Google, Spotify, Pocket Cast. We greatly appreciate your support. Dan, how's the week going? Week's been pretty good. Uh, Pretty busy. It's been nice this week because I think both of us can say we've been back into classrooms. Absolutely. Working with teachers and students, and it's something that I've missed incredibly over the last year and a half. Yeah, it's been a challenge. So with everything going on, try to limit and do a lot of our work virtually uh, connecting with our colleagues as well as working in small groups with students, whole class instruction. It's, It's just a different vibe when you're actually able to be in the classroom. You get those little nuances with the students. They're, you know, they're excited to see us because, oh, we're doing something with technology today, you know? Yeah, we get uh, to be the crazy uncle. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and then we leave once the chaos has completely erupted. Exactly. So it's a lot of fun in that regard. I'm glad we're back uh, in the classrooms uh, and, and continually a lot of teachers have now gotten their routine set. And we're now starting to move forward into how to innovate our instruction. How do we take what we did last year and now tweak it, revolutionize it, change it, uh, you know, into instruction for this year now that most of the devices are back in the classroom, the students are back in the classroom, and it's not an all-virtual environment, specifically to our district. I know there's districts out there that have, you know, different platforms and different needs, and people are remote and so on and so forth. However, we are very fortunate that we are in, stu- uh, in school with our students five days a week. And I think a lot that we've been having conversations with with teachers right off the bat is leading into our podcast topic today, and it's dealing with the needs of the student, especially the, the SEL needs of a student. Coming back into school, coming back full time, uh, many kids haven't been there for 18 months. 18 months. It is. It's monumental. I have a second grader at home who actually his kindergarten year got cut short. So seeing just the the varying levels of, you know, we know how much growth is in those younger grade levels. But from kindergarten and, you know, losing, I don't want to say losing instruction time, but losing the experience of being with your classmates that he, he has an experience of full year of normal school and he's already in second grade. So it's kind of mind boggling and as teachers, as educators, as parents, we're trying to, uh, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Try to cut down the deficits, I guess, uh, you know, or make sure we're attending to those, those specific needs, both socially and emotionally. And it's challenging as a teacher and as a parent to make sure that those students are getting uh, the best benefit, you know, for that interaction with their students, with their teachers, you know, just on the bus, everything, the lunchroom, everything's been gone. So, it is quite powerful that we are getting back to some sense of normalcy. And, and I'll just point out one of the things that we're launching now is we're using digital badges to gamify right. um, some of the norms and some of the things, the expectations in the classroom, just as a 
way to refresh students, but also to keep them focused, keep them on task, and just keep them engaging with each other and with the teacher in a positive manner. So we're, we're developing a whole digital badging system, which I am excited about and it's I fantastic think, and i think it's fantastic <laughs> um but you're right and we're going to talk about gamification on on another episode uh absolutely in regards to the badging and the digital badging and, and that kind of leads me into uh dan and i were are very fortunate uh we are going to be presenting three different sessions uh, and one of them is on digital badging uh up at the nice gate uh annual conference uh held in rochester in november uh, it's called Better Together 2021, so it's going to be held in Rochester in uh, like mid-November um, for New York State. It's the annual conference for NiceGate. We are excited to be presenting on three different days, three different topics, and we'll get into that more uh, you know, as we get closer. What I'm excited about is we've already discussed, we're bringing the show on the road. So we will be uh, up at NiceGate. We will be uh, broadcasting and recording from there uh, with hopefully a whole slew of people that are actually going to be attending in person. There is a virtual option as well, um, but we are excited that we're going to be in person with people and hopefully have many guest uh, appearances, you know, during the conference. I'm excited about that for sure. All right, so as we um, move forward, let's get into our weekly windup. Yeah, yeah, a lot of news came, well, some news came out last week, but big, impactful news, I should say. All right, so one thing that came out is a whole upgrade and integration between Google Calendar and Google Docs. And what you can now do is you can um, quickly start and share meeting notes, a meeting notes document directly from your calendar event. So as you create a Google Meet in your calendar and you attach the, the notes document, it's automatically going to show up in the Meet. So I think that's a great integration right there. Yeah, it's going to save time. It's going to be powerful. It's going to give access to everybody who was invited uh, you know, to the Meet uh, from the calendar. You're not going to have to have those repetitive steps of switching between docs and calendar and back and forth and who has access and, oh, let me share this with you. So now it's automatically going to happen. It's going to be streamlined for the creation, sharing, and attachment of the meeting notes all into the calendar events directly. Uh, and it did, uh, the rapid release actually came out already, October 5th. Uh, scheduled release domains, if your domain is a scheduled release domain, could take up to 15 days, obviously, for uh, feature visibility. And that'll be starting on October 19th. Uh, it is available for all Google Workspace customers, basic, business, everybody. So it's not just a paid version of Google Workspace. Everybody will have access to that, which is phenomenal. And uh, the next thing in the weekly windup is with Google Classroom. Um, students can no longer unenroll themselves from a class. So I'm not sure how many people have dealt with this in the past, but all of a sudden a student says, hey, I was kicked out of your class, or I'm sure no longer are. part of your Google <laughs> Classroom, when really what they were doing was unenrolling from your class. Um, now that they do not have that option to do it. Right. So, And that feature, I believe, will be off by default. So if students are still leaving your Google Classrooms, check with your Google Workspace admins uh, just to ensure that they uh, can no longer unenroll. Now, do be mindful if you are uh, teaching uh, professional development classes virtually and you add colleagues as students, they won't be able to unenroll as well. Not saying they're going to, but at the end, you know, some people are type A and they want to make sure their Google Classrooms are lined up and I'm done with this course. You either archive it as uh, the teacher or they, you know, you may have to just remove them manually if they if they ask you to do so. But that, again, is a huge thing with grades. You know, it was a big challenge 
uh, in the virtual environment. And one thing I will point out with that, you have to be aware at the end of the year to go ahead and archive your classes when you're finished with them, because otherwise those classes will remain on all of your students' classroom dashboard. Um, also point that out to other PD specialists or other teachers that are um, co-teachers in someone else's Google Classroom or you right. put in as a student, you won't be able to unenroll as well. Right. So it's, it's a safety feature, uh, you know, primarily geared towards students to uh, ensure that grading and assignments don't disappear. There's no excuse uh, on that end. Uh, we know there are sometimes hiccups with the student information systems and syncing, but 99% of the time it's because a student, you know, maybe hit a button by accident or intentionally, and now that will prevent that from happening in the future. The last one's a big one. I wish it came out about eight months ago. Yeah. Eight months ago. Yeah. For those, ago. especially, yeah. <laughs> especially for those who are still, uh, you know, in the virtual environment with Google Meet. This is a huge, huge upgrade, though, uh, you know, with it. So go ahead, Dan. Um, so basically, your Google Meets from your Google Classroom have become easier and more secure. So one thing you'll notice, and you probably noticed it already, when you go into your Google Classroom, no longer will your Google Meet link and everything be in the top um, display card. It'll right. be moved down to the lower left, and that's where you will join your meetings. Um, with this new join feature, uh, any co-teacher that you have in your Google Classroom is also going to be a co-meeting host in your Google Classroom. Have those host controls. So you will have all the, every teacher that is in the Google Classroom is going to have those host controls. And I know without that, that caused a lot of headaches. Whoever got into that meeting first had the host controls and then they had to transfer it over. So now you have that co-host with host controls. Yeah, that's, that's huge, especially when you think about breakout rooms. You know, I know we touched base upon this last week with the ability to make somebody a co-host, up to 25 co-hosts per meeting. But now it's, if, if you are listed as a teacher within Google Classroom, it'll automatically allow uh, that individual to have those uh, co-host controls and abilities. And it's going to be impactful in the sense when you're using Google Meet for, uh, you know, for specifically for breakout rooms and, uh, you know, collaborative workspaces like Jamboard that are built within. So it's, it is powerful in that regard. Uh, it, and I think Google, if I'm uh, not mistaken, the first time it's going to ask you to upgrade your link. So you should click upgrade your link because uh, it'll upgrade all of your classes when you right. upgrade your meet link. So if you have 10 classes or whatnot, it'll upgrade them all at once. Um, so and if your old meet link is shared in other documents, which we hope it isn't since we're in person, but you should also update those links on those documents as as well. Another feature of this new um, Google Classroom Meet link is students will be directed to a waiting room until a teacher has officially joined the class. Impactful, yes. So that's impactful because previously they would get an error message and they'd have to, you know, it, it would be confusing. So now they're put into a waiting room when the teacher joins, then they can be admitted. Right. So it's kind of like Zoom. They're kind of catching up with Zoom in that regard with that waiting room. Um, but again, moving forward, you know, uh, it's very... Uh, resourceful for the teacher to be able to not have to worry about a student, uh, you know, goofing off ahead of time uh, in the uh, Google Meet. Uh, it is available as a core service to Google Workspace Education Fundamentals, the standards, teaching and learning upgrade, and Education Plus. Uh, it is an additional service uh, depending upon if you're a paid or not, you know, so there may be something to check with. If you're not seeing that, 
check with your your IT admin and see if uh, it, it is a feature they can turn on. And I believe it already is. You should be seeing it. Rapid release, schedule release started on October 4th, but it is a gradual rollout as everything, so up to 15 days. You know, by, so by end of October, if you don't have it, you may want to start uh, poking around and seeing what's going on. All right, so I, I know Dan kind of uh, prefaced and, and gave a little uh, teaser into what we're talking about today. And, and w- when Dan and I were thinking about this episode, we know districts across you know, the whole country, the world, have really thought about what you know these kids are coming back into. And, and like I shared a brief story with my, my second grader, they may not have had a full experience of school. We don't know everybody's experiences at home, specifically how they handled everything, how they handled remote learning, how their parents, grandparents, who knows if some kind of loss occurred. So that social emotional component is monumental right now for, for teachers and educators throughout the country. And when we think about social emotional as the process with children developing those abilities to really integrate their thinking and feeling and behaviors to succeed at all these developmental tasks. I think when I bring my kids to the pediatricians and, okay, can they do this? Can they try to get their dress? Can they, you know, touch their toes, hop on, whatever those developmental tasks are. In education and in this setting, it's it's monumental, it's huge, it's impactful. And the process, it is included, and it's not limited to, you know, recognizing and managing your emotions, caring about others, empathy, uh, making good decisions, behaving ethically and responsibly, and developing positive relationships with your classmates, with your teachers, the bus people, the lunch, you know, the monitors, all the support staff throughout the school district, all while avoiding the negative behaviors. And there's a lot of frameworks, you know, theoretical frameworks that have been pushed out, you know, to propose, you know, and describe social emotional learning and the implementations for for social emotional learning standards, which I know we don't have a set guideline of standards and programming and instruction and assessment. And, you know, Dan started to, you know, talk about the gamification, you know, trying to have these kids obtain these badges because their social, for lack of a better term, in the last 18 months or so has been you know, on a computer. It's just been on a computer and I'm not even just for instruction, but that's how they talked FaceTime, Among Us, Roblox, all these games, Xbox, whatever they're into, that was their only interaction. And we don't know if they're into sports and and music and arts and and theater. And a lot of those have been paused and some are coming back, some aren't, you know, I mean, it's, it's varies by community. So the social emotional component is huge. And, you know, while we're constantly striving to have that positive environment in our classroom often and not through anyone's fault or often the skills to build that positive environment get put on the back burner at times as we're dealing with maybe content and trying to fill deficits in the learning where we're not focusing directly on the skills for building uh, a positive environment and culture in the classroom right so we were dan and i were talking about uh aj giuliani and he, you know, he put an article out recently, uh, definitely follow him. Do relationships really matter in learning? And uh, it, it's a powerful article, um, and we'll put it in the show notes. You know, but there's a lot of questions and many big quotes and lessons on how to actually get along with people. Now, whether we're adults uh, or children, there are people, you gotta, go, you gotta get along with people who have some influence, you know, as leaders and teachers. You know, the book was, you know, he talked about Dale Carnegie writing a book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. And it's not just friends and people. I mean, I think it, 
we all as adults struggled with the social component being, you know, kind of stuck where we were, you know, and restricted to what we can do when as colleagues and teachers and administrators in our field, you have to be a people person. You have a passion. You have a love for students and working and seeing growth and, and impacting children. So I think as we look at getting along with people, there are a lot of skills that we have to take off that back burner and move them to the forefront. You know, we don't want to just focus on debating standards and testing and the next big thing in ed tech and how can we reform education and what's the, what's the hot new term and how, how do we have a real influence on students? You know, Andrew mentioned the AJ Giuliani article, which I will, we will link in the show notes, but there was something interesting, really interesting that I picked up from that article where a team of psychologists from Stanford, Yale, and Columbia set out to explore the question, what's the secret of great feedback? Mm. Um, and they had middle school teachers assign an essay, an essay for their students, after which students were given different types of teacher feedback. Um, one thing that they discovered that there was one particular type of teacher feedback that improved student effort and performance um, that so much that they deemed it magical. Um, and essentially that feedback phrase was, I'm giving you these comments because I have high expectations and I know that you can reach them. I mean, the article says it's just 19 words, but they're powerful. And it's powerful because it's not really feedback, but it's a signal that creates a more powerful something more powerful, a sense of belonging and connection between the student and the teacher. Um, and that really, that really spoke to me in, in a variety of ways. It, I would always open up my classroom every year with, with the phrase, nobody rises to a low expectation. Great. Uh, and that's powerful. how I, I frame the environment in my classroom. And to see this reflected in the article um, kind of just shows the importance of how you build that community in your classroom. Right. The teacher-student relationship is definitely one of the most powerful elements within the learning environment. And, and, and same thing with teacher and administrators. You know, a major factor affecting students' development, you know, school engagement, academic motivation, all of those, that, that, those teacher-student relationships, they form the basis of the social context in which learning takes place, that comfort level in a classroom. I know, you know, my, my daughter in fourth grade, she is a very outgoing person, and she will um, uh, definitely collaborate and be very open to the, the teachers, her teachers, right away. My son in second grade, he's a little bit more hesitant. It's like he needs that trust factor uh, then, you know, to, to really get to know and, and love that and forge that relationship you know, with his teacher. And again, it, it ultimately will promote that sense of school belonging, the classroom belonging, and it's going to encourage students to know it's a safe space and participate cooperatively in, cl in classroom activities and so forth. So it is, it is very powerful. We have to set those expectations, but we have to keep in mind that the last 18 months have been very challenging, especially for our youngest learners who may have never, you know, completed a full year of school. If you think about it between kindergarten, first and second grade, those kids uh, have not had that, and it could be a challenge. You know, uh, Giuliani still, he references in his article, too, talking about Dale Carnegie's work, uh, you know, simple reminders, you know, what, what he was saying, we want to have these deeper conversations to establish better relationships and, and develop that strong influence on students' learning. Uh, and, you know, with his book, he, he had 10 phrases uh, with how to win friends and influence people. 
And it really brings us back to the basics of teaching and learning. If you want to be enthusiastic, act enthusiastic, right? That's, that's, a, that's a key one. You know, that's, that's one that was definitely powerful to me. You know, another one he said was, any fool can criticize, condemn, and complain, but it takes character and self-control to be understanding and forgiving. And guess what? We know kids are going to let us down. They are. They're going to miss assignments. They're going to unenroll from their Google Classroom, right? <laughs> you know, they're going to forget to read. They're going to fail a test that maybe even cheat. Let's not, you know, we don't know. But I know that adults, colleagues, friends, you know, they could let us down at any point too. And every great relationship has to have forgiveness and understanding attached to it. Otherwise, it's more of an agreement or partnership and not an actual relationship. So we have to hold our students accountable for the mistakes, forgive them, and empower them that way. Very well put. Um, getting to one last quote, I think it leads into our next part. Um, one of the things he says in the book is, I'm very fond of strawberries and cream, <laughs> but I found out that for some strange reason, fish prefer worms. So when I went fishing, I didn't think about what I wanted. I thought about what they wanted. I didn't bait the hook with strawberries and cream. Rather, I dangled a worm or grasshopper in front of the fish. So I think a lot of this is reflecting on yourself and knowing your why. And that takes time for us to know exactly why. Why are we doing what we're doing? Not the what, the why. And uh, Dan and I had the opportunity to uh, view uh, Michael Jr.'s break time. It's something you can see on, on, on YouTube. And we have a clip from one of his, uh, you know, one of his uh, performances. So we're going to let you listen to Michael Jr. right now. And you could Google this and find it on YouTube as well. How do I know? A lot of people, when they think of the phrase, how do I know, they always want to put the what behind it. How do I know what I'm supposed to do? The, the question that you really should ask is, how do I know why I'm here? Because when you know your why, your what becomes more clear and more impactful. If you know, like for instance, um, people know that I do comedy, but that's what I do. My why is to inspire people to walk in purpose. So I can do comedy, I can write books, I can be in a movie, because all of it is motivated by my why. In fact, I have a new, uh, a new web series out called Michael Jr. Break Time. Uh, we probably just did the sixth episode, it's on YouTube. So every single Wednesday at three o'clock, we drop a new episode on YouTube of Michael Jr. Break Time. What it is, is it's me, I travel around the country and I do stand-up comedy, in case you didn't know. <laughs> and in the middle of my comedy set sometime, I'll stop and just talk to my audience. And we've been filming this and it's, you know, it's, it's pretty cool. So we're in Winston-Salem. I'm gonna show you a clip from Winston-Salem. And I'm just talking to this guy in the audience and he tells me that he's a, uh, a musical instructor at a school. So I was like, all right, you're a musical instructor. You know, can you sing? Let me hear you sing a song. So this is what happened at the last episode of Michael Jr.'s Break Time. Check it. So you're a musical director. Yes, cool. sir. All right, so um, let, me get a couple, let me get a couple bars of like uh, Amazing Grace. Can you do the first part of that? Let me, go ahead. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound. That saved a wretch like me. Wow. That brought could sing. You know what I'm saying? All right, all right. Um, now, once you give me the version, is if uh, your uncle just got out of jail, you got shot in the back when you was a kid, 
I'm just saying, let me see the hood version real quick. If you know which version I'm talking about, just see if that exists. Let me see what you got. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Here's what I want you to catch. The first time I asked him to sing, he knew what he was doing. The second time, he knew why he was doing it. When you know your why, your what becomes more impactful because you're walking towards or in your purpose. That's powerful right there. Very powerful. And I think, um, hold on, I just got, all right. Just focus after hearing that. Um, what I mentioned before we listened to the clip is teachers knowing their why, but also for, for our students to know their why as well. And that's where that SEL learning, that social-emotional learning comes in. Um, as we look at, you know, maybe bring in some, some resources and talk about tech and, and how that can help along with it. But um, if we look at the CASEL model for, for social and emotional learning, which we'll link to in the show notes, you know, a big component in our classroom is allowing students to develop their self-awareness, their self-management, um, responsible decision-making, their relationship skills, their social awareness. If we think about it, it's knowing their why. Exactly. Exactly. And you, and, and you as the educator have the, the power to kind of uh, impact your students specifically in your classroom. And if you look at this castle wheel and the castle framework, like Dan said, we are going to link it to the show notes it's much bigger than just the classroom. It scaffolds up to schools and then families and caregivers and then finally the community as a whole. And if we look at this just as, you know, uh, a tool or, or a reference guide to empower not only us as educators, uh, administrators, support staff, uh, families, and the community as a whole, we can really kind of develop the why for the students, not the what, which is important you know, for this is the school, family, community partnership and make it authentic. And this uh, learning environment and experience will have a trusting and a collaborative relationship and we'll have rigorous and meaningful curriculum and instruction and obviously ongoing evaluations to ensure that the students are really being impacted. And the uh, emotional learning component can help address the various forms that we know exist of inequity and we want to empower not only the little kids and, and the big kids and the adults, we want to create these thriving schools and make sure that they contribute to safe, healthy learning environments in the community around them. Because that's, that's what we want all of our students to be. So one place we're going to, going to direct you to look is at Common Sense Education. Um, we'll, pro we'll provide some links in the show notes, but there is an incredible amount of resources, both print and digital resources, yep. 
for developing that SEL component, whether it's class lessons, activities, or even some role-playing games and digital games that, that students can participate in to, to build those skills, to start developing empathy and right. There's get the, them the, to know their why. Yeah, and the 11 part, there's 11 parts that Common Sense really talks about with, uh, you know, SEL, with empathy, integrity, self-control, compassion, communication, humility, gratitude, courage, curiosity, perseverance, and teamwork. And that's important because SEL might not be our core content that we are driven, you know, by as we teach every day. But if we take it back, you know, take a look at it in a broader aspect, it's the core of all content. So SEL is the core, and then you work on, you know, the content around it, you know, as well. We don't want it to be put on the back burner. But like Dan said, their common sense, uh, you know, .org has a ton of apps, games, activities to build character in the classroom. Uh, they have uh, promoting uh, the social-emotional learning, specifically in digital life, for those who are still in the virtual environment. There are a bunch of castle-aligned quick activities. So they're aligned to, you know, the framework uh, of castle and that'll help as well uh, for the, you know, self-awareness and self-management in the digital uh, environment. Uh, and then lastly, there is uh, some that have uh, like a cheat sheet with uh, turning, you know, students, uh, their empathy into action with some digital tools. So it gives you a bunch of tips. And again, like Dan said, we'll link all that. All right. So uh, another uh, social emotional prompt and ideas is something from uh, Writable. Uh, if you're not familiar with Writable, you know, there is a whole collection on, again, it's all aligned to the CASEL framework, which is the Collaborative for Academic, Social, and Emotional Learning framework. And it really touches base when with writing the five SEL competencies, you know, for that with self-awareness, relationship skills, social awareness, self-management, and then responsible decision-making. And, you know, it, it, Students will also gain practice with narrative writing skills. Maybe they got to get something off their chest and it'll help them establish points of view and elaborate and everything like that. So Writable has a whole slew of collections that can help you with uh, social emotional learning. So hopefully we've provided you with something to think about and ponder. And also we will provide some resources to get you started, um, both print and digital, uh, looking at the social emotional learning in your classroom. Yes, thank you. And so once again, we thank you for all, you know, thank you all for your support. We're excited to bring this on the road. Uh, if you will be attending NiceGate, please do reach out to Dan and I. Let us know. Uh, we'd love to have you on the show. Absolutely. See what you're thinking about the conference. Uh, again, we're on all those platforms. Please leave us a review. That's that's very helpful. And if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, like we said, reach out. But we always say, tech hard, work smart, live in adventure. Find Andrew on all socials at A Nicola Tech and Dan at WCSD Tech DR.